Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing the 2023 Wells Fargo Championship taking place this week at Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. Not too far of uh, a drive from where I live currently, probably about an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, Probably won't be finding myself on the grounds at the Wells Fargo, but definitely is nice to see golf tournament come to the great state of North Carolina, one of the best golfing states in all 50, in my personal opinion. Now this week, we do have another elevated event on the PGA Tour after kind of having a week off, well, I guess two weeks off, with the Zurich Classic and the Mexico Open. And I'm not going to lie, y'all, the whole elevated events thing, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of getting old a little bit. Like, it's definitely cool to have all the best golfers in the world show up to the same golf tournaments, right? But, like, we've kind of had a lot of them. And it kind of feels like we're going to start to see guys, you know, pick one or two to skip. This field itself is going to be skipped by John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, the two top players in the world. Uh, Rahm, I assume, is coming off of the week at Mexico and would like a week off. I don't blame him. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is probably taking a week to prepare at the Byron Nelson, which is taking place in his home state of Texas. And so I absolutely don't blame him. I think what you're running into is each guy on the PGA Tour probably has, you know, events that are more near and dear to their heart than some of these elevated events are. Uh, And so I definitely think that as the season goes on, you're going to see more elevated events get skipped uh, by some of the best golfers in the world in favor of playing some of these smaller name tournaments that, you know, they kind of take a liking to. And so I kind of think that's something that we're definitely going to see going forward. And I'm definitely intrigued to see if the PGA Tour can, um, you know, kind of switch up the schedule to kind of make the elevated events feel more elevated. Kind of like how they did at the start of the year. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting, but it definitely doesn't feel like this has the same luster as an elevated event as the first ones did back in February at Scottsdale and at Riviera. Now, one more thing. Um, When it comes to the elevated events, like this event has not been one. So it's also intriguing to see that there are some guys that have not played very much at Quail Hollow that now because Quail Hollow is an elevated event, now they're showing up to Quail Hollow to play. So it begs the question, like, do they like Quail Hollow? Does Quail Hollow not fit their game? Does it not fit their schedule? Like, I don't know. But it's definitely intriguing to see guys that have not played here in the past are going to take on this course because it is a unique and challenging experience. And we should be in line for a great golf tournament this week. All right, now, before we get into the preview, uh, don't put 30 minutes on the clock yet. I got a few more updates. First, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. It really does help me out a lot. You'll be notified when new episodes drop, Uh, like our episode that we'll be previewing the Byron Nelson Classic next week. And also, we're going to have season-long fantasy football content coming your way here on the podcast as well. We're a little light on content here in the next coming weeks. Um, I've mentioned on this podcast before, I am a high school teacher and football coach uh, and basketball coach. And so I'm actually applying for my national boards for teaching right now. And so I've got a few essays that I've got to finish up and type up here in the next few weeks. Um, So probably going to be a little bit light on content as I finish those up. But once we get into the summer months, we're really going to kick things off with season-long fantasy football and have a lot of other content coming your way here on this channel. So if you hit that subscribe button now, you'll be notified when new episodes drop. All right, so as I say every week, this is going to be the most comprehensive 30-minute preview that you will find. So go ahead and put 30 minutes on that clock. We're going to talk about the course itself, Quail Hollow Club. We're going to talk about some different golfer profiles that are intriguing heading into this week. Talk about some guys that you want in your DFS lineups, some guys that you might want to bet as outright winners or any other bet for that matter. Uh, And then we're going to break down a one and done at the very end. So no matter what format you are choosing to play your action for the uh, Wells Fargo Championship this week, we've got you covered here on the podcast. Uh, So go ahead and put 30 minutes on that timer because we are about to get started. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. 
All right, so the Wells Fargo Championship is taking place at Quail Hollow Club, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Actually, the south side of Charlotte, if you're from the area. Um, it's actually an area that kind of used to be a lot of farmland, and it kind of got made into a golf course when the city of Charlotte realized that they needed more golf courses. A little brief history lesson there. Well, anyway, now it's one of the best golf courses in the state of North Carolina and in the country. Uh, on the PGA Tour, it plays as a par 71, a little over 7,500 yards with Bermuda grass greens, and it has hosted the 2017 PGA Championship championship and the 2022 president's cup and it will also host the 2025 pga championship as well when the major was held there in 2017 the fairways were tightened a little bit the rough was thickened up a little bit um, so it played a little more difficult than it actually normally does but it's actually still pretty difficult in its own right because this is a very long golf course par 71 7500 yards it's got some length to it now it's also got a famous named stretch of holes we've talked about these here on the podcast before this one is the green mile which is holes 16 through 18 it usually provides a lot of drama on sunday because 16 17 and 18 are all very difficult to birdie they feature some of the top bottom five, I guess that'd be the best way to say this, the bottom five birdie rates on the course are those three holes. Um, So they're just very tough and they're really hard to gain ground on. And it's really easy to give back a stroke if you're coming to Sunday with a lead. In 2021, we saw Rory McIlroy very intelligently take a drop on 18 that allowed him to still win the golf tournament in regulation as opposed to, um, you know, making further risky decisions where he could have actually double bogeyed and lost himself the golf tournament. Now, also at this tournament, the par threes are very difficult. Three of them are over 200 yards, and one of them is about 250 yards. Like, this is a long track. This is a big boy golf course, uh, and you're going to have to have some length, and you're going to have to be able to hit the ball a mile if you want to be able to succeed here. Most of the par fours are over 450 yards, and there's only one drivable par four for the longest hitters. I believe that is number 14. Uh, And then two of the par fives are reachable in two. There's three par fives on this course. Only two of them are going to be reachable in two. Now, here's what's also noteworthy about Quail Hollow. When it comes to course history, the 2017 Wells Fargo Championship was not played here because of the 2017 PGA Championship be here. Likewise, because the 2022 President's Cup was here, the 2022 Wells Fargo Championship was played at TPC Potomac. So do not get it twisted. The 2022 Wells Fargo Championship is not really one you can look at in terms of course history because it wasn't played at this course. The last Wells Fargo Championship to be played here was in 2021, as previously mentioned, the one won by Rory McIlroy. Now, when it also comes to course history, that means that we're not looking at 2022 or 2017. There was also no Wells Fargo Championship played in 2020 because of COVID-19. And this golf course actually underwent a renovation in 2016, which made it more difficult in order to prepare for the 2017 PGA Championship. So really, we have only three Wells Fargo Championships that have been played at this new redesigned Quail Hollow Club, 2018, 2019, and 2021. Now, that renovation made the course much more difficult. It made the green complexes much more difficult and much more undulating. Uh, And so basically, what you're looking at with Quail Hollow Club right now as it stands, we've got a long golf course, which means that green and regulation percentage is going to be lower than average for the PGA Tour. And the green complexes are very difficult. So it's going to be very tough to get up and down. So when you look at past leaderboards, there's really two paths to victory. You see a combination of two things. Absolute bombers off the tee, who are giving themselves wedges and lower irons into these greens and able to hold them and able to, you know, get closer birdie putts that they 
they have a chance at making, or just elite ball strikers who are hitting every fairway, hitting every green, and giving themselves the best chance in order to make as many birdies as possible. This is a week where if you're missing a lot of greens, you're not going to stand a chance because it's going to be very difficult for you to get up and down. Also, it seems that putting well is not really a requirement to play well at this course. A lot of guys who have won here and a lot of guys who have finished well here have not necessarily been great putters coming into this golf tournament. Now, in terms of course comps, I think there are a few that make sense. Um, the bottom line is long PGA Tour courses are, are going to fit the bill where for fit the bill well for comparisons here at Quail Hollow. Um, there's been a lot of crossover success at Riviera, home of the Genesis Invitational, and Torrey Pines, home of the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, James Hahn has won both at Riviera and Quail Hollow. Uh, Jason Day has won both at Torrey Pines and Quail Hollow. Uh, and then there's also some crossover success at Augusta National. Guys who play well here also tend to play well at Augusta National. I, I guess that's something to do with the undulating greens a little bit and the overall length of it. Um, but there is one one more comparison that I do want to draw, uh, and that is that Tom Fazio was the architect who really underdid um, or underwent the redesign here in 2016. Um, and he also designed the Summit Club, which is in Las Vegas. It's the home of the 2021 CJ Cup. Uh, the leaderboard for that event, McElroy, Morikawa, Mitchell, Fowler, M, Scott, Higgs, and Woodland. Um, I did not count the live guys that were up near the top um, because they're not playing this week. But all those guys are in action this week, and all those guys finished well at that event. Um, so that is another one that you can kind of note, but that is kind of a one-off. That's really the only like Tom Fazio course that has been played recently on the PGA Tour. Um, now, another thing I do want to add, this course, if you're listening to this podcast regularly and you listened last week to the Mexico Open preview, this course kind of requires a similar skill set that we did last week in Mexico, right? It's a long course, so you want to be long off the tee, and you're going to have a lot of long approaches into holes, so you're going to want to be really good with your long irons. So I think that the Mexico Open is not a bad comparison. However, this course is a lot more difficult because it's a lot tighter off the tee, and the greens are a lot more difficult to chip and putt on. So I think that maybe the, you know, a more difficult Mexico Open is actually not a bad comparison for this one here at the Wells Fargo Championship. All right, so that does it for the course preview. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's profile some golfers that have a chance to win this thing. At the top of the betting board and the DFS board this week sits none other than Rory McIlroy. I mean, it makes sense. He's official world number three, official world number one and number two are skipping this event, so naturally it falls to Rory, right? And it makes even more sense when I tell you this. He actually has three wins here at Quail Hollow Club, and he actually won the last edition at this course in 2021. So, I mean, in terms of course history, he's the course horse, and he's also probably the best golfer in the field. In fact, his history at this course is so elite, he has not finished worse than 16th at this course since 2013. That is quite an accomplishment. Uh, and so I think that Roy McIlroy absolutely makes sense as the top billing golfer this week. I have no problem betting him to win. I have no problem deploying him in DFS. Now, one other thing that I do like also is his recent form isn't that great. And so I think in DFS, um, that might keep a few people away from him. He's actually missed the cut in his last two stroke play events at the Players' Championship and at Augusta National at the Masters. So I really think that Roy McIlroy might actually come in at lower own because of that, because I think the people who value recent form are just not going to play him for that reason. But the course history absolutely makes sense, and I really think that Roy McIlroy, he is properly rated as the most likely golfer to win this golf tournament. 
Now, Xander Schauffele is an interesting one to me. Personally, I would have him ranked fifth this week in terms of golfers that I would want to play in DFS or want to bet to win outright. Uh, FanDuel, in their DFS pricing, has this correct. The odds boards have this correct. DraftKings kind of does not. DraftKings has him second. Now, I'm not saying that Xander's a bad play. He strung together a lot of good results with a lot of good finishes at my comp courses, but I just think the other guys that are in the top five make for a little better plays. They've been a little better recently. Their skill set matches up a little more. Xander is not super duper long off the tee. Um, But what this does turn into, though, is on DraftKings, where he's kind of overpriced, this could kind of turn into an ownership play because if everybody's paying up for Rory or if they would just rather play the guys further down the board, Xander's going to come in low-owned. And so if you're, if you're a DFS guy who loves to play the ownership game, Xander Schauffele might be the guy for you this week at the top of the board. Now, Patrick Cantlay is a guy I would have ranked ahead of Xander Schauffele. In fact, he would be my second-ranked golfer this week. Uh, his recent form has been incredible coming in. He's finished fourth or better in three of his last five starts, all of which are either elevated events or major championships. Um, I'm, I'm not counting the team event in the Zurich in that either. So three of his last five individual stroke play um, results have been fourth place or better. Now, Patrick Cantlay also has an elite skill set for this course. He is long off the tee and he is elite with his irons in terms of hitting greens. So I really think that this course not only sets up very well for Patrick Cantlay, but I really think that his game is in a great spot coming in. And he's probably the guy that if I'm playing a DFS lineup and not paying all the way up for Rory, it's probably going to be just to slide right in with Cantlay right underneath. Tony Finau is my third-ranked golfer on the week, and he is coming in fresh off of the win at the Mexico Open, where he just had an incredible week ball striking, gained a lot of strokes off the tee, gained a lot of strokes on the approach, and when Tony Finau does that, he's pretty tough to beat, but the problem is with Tony, though, is we haven't really seen him you know, have one of those weeks in an elevated event at least recently. He did win the 2021 uh, Northern Trust, which was a FedEx Cup playoffs event, but he hasn't really put it all together at a super strong field event. But I do think that this week could be the week if he's just able to continue that ball strike in that he had last week. Now, personally, with you know the win coming at Vedanta, which I'd said you know requires a similar skill set that the Quail Hollow is going to, um, I think he sets up really well for this course. He's really long off the tee. He's great with his long irons, and he has a lot of good run at the comp courses, right? But he hasn't exactly played well at Quail Hollow. He's never even had a top 20 here at Quail Hollow. So there's definitely some concerns with Finau, but there's definitely a lot to like as well. If you're a course history person, you're probably staying off of him for the week. But if you're buying into recent form and if you're buying into course fit, he's definitely a name worth looking into. Colin Morikawa is next up, and I'm not going to lie, he's not really the best course fit, in my opinion. He's just not super long off the tee, but he is an elite ball striker. Like I mentioned earlier, there's two paths to victory here, bomb it or ball strike it. And he is a guy that could absolutely get hot with the ball striking and play well here. But what does worry me is that he's never played a stroke play event at this course. He's never opted to play the Wells Fargo Championship, and he was probably, I believe, a senior in high school when the 2017 PGA Championship was here. So I just don't think that this is necessarily the best setup for him. However, he did get experience playing the President's Cup here last fall. He was 2-1 and one in that event, which is not bad. So I definitely think that Colin Morikawa, if you're more inclined to buy into the ball striking angle this week, he is a guy who could give you that. Now, Jordan Spieth is a guy that I like a lot. I would rank him as my fourth golfer for this week, and he is particularly a value on DraftKings where he's the sixth price golfer on the board. Now, Jordan Spieth is coming in with really good recent form. Four of his last five finishes have actually been fourth place or better. Um, however, he has not played this event in a decade, um, so there's not really 
a whole lot of history here at this course for him. Um, but he was undisputably the MVP of the President's Cup last fall. He was 5-0 and in all five of his matches. So whether it's the match play format or just this course, but something vibe with Jordan that week, and he played really good golf. Now, there's a lot of experts out there that would tell you that, you know, Spieth is doing things that are, you know, unsustainable or uncharacteristic or, you know, he can't keep this up. And I don't know, I maybe I'm crazy, but I, I just kind of think he can. Like he's Jordan Spieth. He does Jordan Spieth things. He's going to try to draw the ball around a tree and put it on the green from 180 yards out. He's going to try to like spin a chip off of a hill and hold it. Like he just, he does these things that like he knows he has the skill level to do. And sometimes he just does them. And because he has that skill level, every now and then he's going to finish golf tournaments really well. And that's what he does, right? Like he just has this magic about him. And I really think that it's, you know, he's knocking on the door with those top five finishes. It's going to come down eventually. Could this week be the week? Absolutely. I think it's a possibility. Um, so I have no problem deploying Jordan Spieth in any format this week. Now, on FanDuel, DraftKings, DFS in general, I expect Jordan Speed to be very popular. I also expect Max Homa to be very popular. Homa has been considerably worse in recent form than Jordan Speed, but he actually has a really good track record, probably second at this course, only to Roy McIlroy. Uh, he did win uh, at this course in 2019, which was after the renovation, and his track record at the comp courses is near immaculate. He has a win at Riviera and a win at Torrey Pines, so I have no problem going with Jordan Speed or Max Homa this week. Victor Hovland is kind of more in the Colin Morikawa category of just an elite ball striker, but I think that Victor gives you a super high ceiling, right? Like, if you remember Harbortown at the RBC Heritage a few weeks back, Victor Hovland was the first-round leader and just was going nuclear, and it looked like he was going to destroy everybody. And then he just kind of faded over the weekend, and at the end of the week, he lost seven strokes putting, which is actually not typical of Victor. Victor's normal weakness is his around-the-green play. He just can't chip to save his life. And at Quail Hollow, you can kind of – there's a path to winning this golf tournament where it doesn't involve chipping. If you're just going to be an elite ball striker and hit fairways and hit greens, you can get around here without chipping a whole lot. And so if he just kind of has an average week with the putter and keeps his ball striking numbers up where they have been through this recent run of good play for him, then I definitely think that Victor Hovland gives you a chance to win this golf tournament. And he backed that up with the last time that this event was at Quail Hollow, which was a third place finish here in 2021. Now, Sung J.M. is kind of of the same mold as well of Victor Hovland, but I don't think that he gives you the same ceiling as Victor Hovland does, but I actually do think that Sung Jae does give you a little better recent form, and he did play well here in the President's Cup in 2022, so he's another name worth monitoring that I definitely would have no problem paying up for in DFS. Now, the forgotten guy in this range is probably going to be Matt Fitzpatrick, who is another elite ball striker and is actually coming off of a win at the RBC Heritage. Um, however, what is a little concerning, though, is he has not played this event in his career. Um, he's only played the 2017 PGA Championship at Quail Hollow, and he missed the cut. However, I'd venture to say he's a much different golfer than than he is right now. Um, and so I definitely think that, you know, with Matt Fitzpatrick, he's another one like Hovland, like M, like Morikawa. His ball striking numbers are going to give him a chance to play well in this tournament if he's able to sustain those the way he has been. Now, personally, if I'm looking at DFS this week, I'm trying to get two guys that I just mentioned into my lineup. 
it doesn't matter what two, but I definitely want at least two guys that are in the 9K range or above on DraftKings into my lineup. Uh, I just think everything with the way that these elevated events have set up and the way they played out, these guys have significantly more win equity than everybody below them. And I'm probably going to try to make sure that I squeeze two of them in. And I think that because there's this field is so deep, I think there's enough values near the bottom of the board. Maybe not the very bottom, like the you know 6K flat, but I think there's enough guys in the upper sixes, low sevens, that I can balance my lineup out, find myself enough value to create a good lineup with two of these guys being in. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some value plays. Now, I'm not going to lie to y'all. There were a lot of guys that, as I was doing the research before DraftKings and FanDuel came out with their salaries, there's a lot of guys that I was looking at like, okay, this is going to be a good week to play this guy. And then I saw the price tag, and I'm like, dang, DraftKings must have known exactly what I was thinking because they priced them a little bit higher than I'm willing to pay. But if you like them, does the price tag really matter all that much anyway? So anyway, let's talk about some of those guys. So the first guy that is of that mold is Jason Day. I really like Jason Day for this event. He won this event in 2018, which was the first Wells Fargo edition after the redesign in 2016. Uh, he also has a win at Torrey Pines, which is one of my comp courses. And he also is coming in with elite recent form. He's got six top 20 finishes in his last seven starts. Now, I believe he did not play the RBC Heritage because of some health reason with Jason Day it's always some health reason um so I definitely would kind of you know check Twitter check to see if there's any updates on that you know as as far as I could go but it does seem like he signed up for this event it does seem like he is going to be healthy for this one so Jason Day definitely a guy I want to try to play this week now Justin Thomas is under 9k on DraftKings for his second straight event and at the RBC Heritage he kind of just played okay but like I still think in terms of like a talent per dollar ratio, he's probably a little bit underpriced. Um, he actually also has good history here. He won the PGA Championship here in 2017, uh, and he was 4-1 and one in the President's Cup here last fall. Um, and, you know, kind of with this specific iteration of the course, though, um, in his last two appearances at the Wells Fargo, he's came in 21st and 26th place. When it comes to Justin Thomas, I think the question is, would you rather be early to Justin Thomas or late to Justin Thomas? Like, if you want to play him in DFS and bet him now while he's not showing form, obviously you're going to get pretty good numbers, pretty good price tags on him, right? But he's going to win eventually. Like, he's Justin Thomas. He's too talented to go the rest of his PGA Tour career with not you know, winning or not playing well. And so if he starts to have a run of playing well, he's going to get priced back up. His odds are going to go back down. So I kind of think that, you know, if you want to ride the wave on Justin Thomas, you can start riding that wave now because it's going to start, you know, it's going to start heating up here a little bit soon. Now, Ricky Fowler is another guy that I like to, I would like to play this week, but he comes in a little more expensive than I thought. Um, he just keeps racking up good finishes. He owns a win here as well. His first win on the PGA Tour was actually here at Quail Hollow, uh, and he also has two more top fives here at this event. Now, quick plug um, before I continue, if you're looking for a really good comprehensive um, course history tool, there's a guy on Twitter, Ron Close, at PGA Splits 101, that he's compiled it all into one tweet. Um, and he actually ha only has the Quail Hollow editions of this tournament and the 2017 PGA Championship on there. So it's really good, um, a really good piece to look at. And if you want all your course history in one place, I suggest you check them out. It's at PGA Splits 101. Now, continuing on down the board, Cam Young is a great fit for this course, in my opinion. Um, this is a bomber's paradise, and who's a bigger bomber than Cam Young, right? And he also tends to play well at long golf courses. In the three long golf courses he's played so far this year, 20th, 10th, and 7th. 
yeah, you don't have to sell me too hard on Cam Young. I think this is a great spot for him. Sam Burns has some good finishes in terms of his recent form, um, but I really don't like the fit at the course at all. He was utterly terrible at the President's Cup. He failed to win a match for the Americans at the President's Cup. Um, and then also, in terms of his individual play at this event, hasn't been too hot either. He's never finished better than 55th place here at Quail Hollow. So Sam Burns is probably a pass for you this week if you're somebody who prioritizes course history. Now, at the bottom of the 8K range, I don't think you can go wrong with Hatton, Kim, or Lowry. Um, they're just all great ball strikers. And, you know, like I said earlier, the pass to victory, either bomb it or ball strike the heck out of it. And those are three guys that could absolutely ball strike the heck out of it. Now, a guy that I do like, though, a lot is Sahith Thagala. Um, first off, if you're looking for a guy to, you know, plug into your lineup because you're just trying to get a six for six week through the cut in terms of DFS. Um, his mate cut streak is currently tied for the longest on the PGA Tour. It dates back to October. He's actually tied with Wyndham Clark. Um, and Sahith Thagawa, you know, not only is he making the cuts, but he's finishing well. He has back-to-back top 10 finishes, one at a major and one at an elevated event. Um, and in my opinion, it's only a matter of time before he wins. We've talked about on this podcast before how he tends to play better at TPC-type courses where everything is manicured, everything, you know, is just kind of ship-shape. And this is a course that, you know, it's not exactly like a TPC course. There's some more undulation. There's some more nuance. But it definitely is one that kind of you know, fits that mold a little bit. And so I could definitely see Scythe picking up his first win here. It's only a matter of time before he does so. Now, quick side note, I'm probably stopping my betting card right here if I'm making outright bets on this golf tournament. Um, Maybe even higher than that. Like maybe even not even come down to Cam Young or Scythe. But when you just look at the elevated events on the PGA Tour, the winners this year have been pretty staggering. Like like listen to this list. Rom, Scheffler, Rom, Kitayama, Scheffler, Rom. Fitzpatrick. If it sounded like I said Rahm and Scheffler a lot, it's because I did. The only two names that weren't Rahm or Scheffler, Kitayama and Fitzpatrick. So Kitayama is really the only big time underdog that has won one of these, um, you know, in this season. So I definitely think that it's not the type of tournament this week to place an outright bet on a guy way further down the board, unless you're going to give yourself in each way or give yourself some places that way you can, you know, kind of make yourself a profit if they get top 10, top five. Now, next up, guy that I like a lot is Keith Mitchell. He's a good value play who's going to be very popular. Um, He's been really good at Quail Hollow. He's been third and eighth in his last two trips. We've talked about before the Rory McIlroy comparison. For some reason, Rory courses tend to be good Keith Mitchell courses, and Rory is the course horse here, so it would make sense that Keith Mitchell plays well here. Now, continuing down the 7K range on DraftKings, Taylor Moore and Steven Yeager are two names that I want to highlight because they've excelled at long courses this season. Would have no problem deploying them in my lineups this week. Gary Woodland is a name that I do want to talk about, though. He came in fifth the last time this event was at Quail Hollow, and he is notoriously a terrible putter. And like the one week in his life that he had a great putting week, he won the U.S. Open. (laughs) So um, pretty much, I, I really like the course fit for Gary at this event. Um, you know, with that fifth place finish, he gained strokes putting, you know, in that iteration of this tournament. So if he's able to do that again, he absolutely could bring home this tournament. Um, and I definitely think that he has a lot of upside for that reason. If you just get a solid putting week out of him, you know, maybe you could get a good Gary Woodland week. Patrick Rogers and Emiliano Grillo are worth mentioning because they came charging up the leaderboard at the Mexico open. As I said earlier, um, the Mexico Open is going to require a lot of the same skill set that this golf course will. So I really like how those two played over the weekend and kind of the positive momentum they've got coming into this week. And Emiliano Grillo actually has some deceptively good course history here. He owns a 14th place finish and a 9th place finish here at Quail Hollow. 
Joel Damon is another guy who has great course history. He has three straight top 18 finishes at this course, but his recent form coming in is not too hot. So if you want to play Joel Damon, it's going to depend on what you value in terms of recent form versus course history. Bo Hosler is a guy who is starting to heat up a little bit. He almost won the Zurich Classic with Wyndham Clark as his partner, uh, and then he came in 10th place in Mexico last week, and we've talked about how that course has a similar skill set required to Quail's Fargo, or <laughs> Quail Fargo. <laughs> it has a similar skill set required to Quail Hollow, right? So, also, one other thing that I like about this spot for Bo Hostler is that this course mitigates his main weakness. His main weakness is his accuracy off the tee. And Quail Hollow, while it's not a super wide golf course, is not one that's very penal off the tee. There's not a whole lot of water hazards. There's not a whole lot of tree trouble you can get yourself into. And the rough is not super penal. So I definitely think that there is opportunities that if you're missing a little bit with the driver, you can still find your way to success here at Quail Hollow. And so I really think that that shapes up well for Bo Hostler because his one weakness is something that's not going to be exploited by the course. Now, we've talked about Akshay Batia on the podcast before. I'm going to keep playing him because I just believe in the guy's talent. I believe that he is going to be a winner on the PGA Tour at some point, and I want to claim that I'd have him in my lineups when he does, in fact, win. And last week at the Mexico Open, he was knocking on the door. He was in the final pairing with John Rahm and Tony Finau. Now, quick side note, if you are a golf Twitter person or if you listen to any other preview podcast this week, you probably heard this, but Harry Hall, who was his teammate at the Zurich Classic, talked Akshay Batia into you know starting aim point putting, which is the kind of slow pace, kind of annoying like foot level putting that guys on the PGA Tour do that personally I tried once. I don't really fully understand it, but I'm not a PGA Tour golfer. It's probably why I'm not a PGA Tour golfer. But anyway, uh, Akshay started doing that last week and he gained five strokes putting. You know, not necessarily saying that that's going to happen every week. Last week was also past Palum Greens, which is not something that happens um, a lot on the PGA Tour. But it's definitely something to monitor that if Akshay really starts putting it together with the putter, and we know he's got the talent off the tee and with the irons, uh, Akshay Bati is definitely set up for a really promising career, in my opinion. Next up, we've got a lot of different value plays, right? Sam Stevens is one that I do want to talk about. He is just kind of a horse for long courses. You know, he came in 13th at Torrey, 3rd at Corrales, and 2nd at the Valero Texas Open. Now, none of which were elevated events, not elite fields by any stretch of the imagination. But hey, if the guy plays long courses well, this is a long course. Why not give him a shot? Now, the 6K range on DraftKings has a lot of names that I actually think are like worth playing. Like It's a lot better than your 6K range for the Mexico Open or for the Zurich Classic. Um, it's kind of comparable to your 6K range at the other elevated events or the majors. Um, there are a few long course specialists, Will Gordon, Luke List, Joseph Bramlett, Nate Lashley. No problem with them. There's also a few guys with great recent form coming in. Dylan Wu, Eric Van Ruyen, Michael Kim. No problem with any of them. You got one former winner in James Hahn. No problem going back to him, even though his recent form is terrible. And then there's a few names that I do want to mention that are further down the board, a little lesser known. First one's Pearson Cootie. So um, kind of just sounds like... I don't know, kind of sounds like a frat boy name in my opinion. But anyway, um, he's currently playing some really good golf on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's a recent graduate of the University of Texas. We know their elite golf history, right? Um, and he's also played a few PGA Tour events this well. And his best finishes have come on long courses, like his best finish at Bay Hill, which was 13th. So I definitely think the Pearson Cootie is a dart throw with a little bit of upside. 
And then the last one is Alejandro Tosti, who was a value play that a lot of people caught on to last week at the Mexico Open, came in 10th place, and which earned him his spot into this event. And y'all know how I feel about how the Mexico Open is going to require the same skill set here as this week at Quail Hollow. So I definitely think the Alejandro Tosti is another dart throw that gives you a little bit of upside. All right, that does it for all of the value plays. Let's take a quick breather and then let's talk some one and done. I got almost four minutes left here in my preview if I want to keep it under my 30-minute mark. So got to go quick through the one and done. And it is a big week for one and done this week because it is an elevated event. It's going to have a big-time purse. And so you definitely want to get this one right. Now, this is also an event where... I kind of don't think there's like one or two guys you have to play, but we're starting to get, you know, we're a little past the halfway point of the season. So if you want to kind of start planning out your weeks, I think that's very wise. And especially in an elevated event like this, I think you also want to kind of think about what events you might deploy these guys at in the future. So like, I think there's a whole lot of guys that are in play this week, but the question is, do you want to save them? Or do you want to go ahead and burn him? So if we start at the top of the board, right? Roy McIlroy. If I don't use him this week, I'm either going to use him at the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. Maybe a FedEx Cup playoff event, right? Um, but, you know, then again, this is Wells Fargo. This is Quail Hollow. This is a course he loves. It's a great week to play Rory. So if you want to go back to Rory at the U.S. Open or the Open Championship, save him. If you don't, play him this week. Patrick Cantlay, also a great fit for this course. But there's a lot of events I could see myself using Cantlay at. The Memorial, the U.S. Open, the Travelers, the BMW. Particularly if you have used ROM already, I think Cantlay is a great nominee for the Memorial. Um, so probably not going to be a Cantlay week for me this week. Xander Shoffley, a few other, uh, or another guy that has a few events that I could see myself using him at. Travelers, U.S. Open, Scottish Open. He's defending champ of the Travelers and the Scottish Open. So definitely some intrigue there for Xander. For Jordan Spieth, there's the two Texas events coming up, the Byron Nelson and the um, the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. Um, so you might want to save Spieth for either of those two. For Tony Finau, he won two events over the summer last year, the 3M Open, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Um, now here are the guys, I think after you get past Finau, there's some guys that I really like for this tournament. Max Homa and Victor Hovland really don't have a set course that I want to use them at the rest of the season. Max Homa at LA Country Club for the US Open makes a lot of sense. But Max Homa also hasn't played very well in majors. So if you're not planning on using Max Homa at LA Country Club, all systems go on Max Homa this week. Victor Hovland, I, I really can't come up with one course other than maybe the LA Country Club US Open that I might want to play him at. So I definitely think this is a great week for Victor Hovland. Now, I also think that Cameron Young and Justin Thomas, this is another good week for both of them two. There's not really a course that stands out the rest of the way for either of these two guys that I might want to play them at. So um, definitely, definitely a good spot for either Cam Young or Justin Thomas. If you're looking for, you know, to play an ownership angle in terms of your one and done, I definitely think that Rory is going to be the, the highest owned player this week. I think that Cantlay is going to be pretty highly owned. Um, I think that Finau might be pretty highly owned coming off the win. Um, and Max Homa will probably be highly owned. So if you want to avoid a little bit of ownership and kind of save yourself a little down the road, I think that sweet spot is that Hovland, Cam Young, Justin Thomas zone. I'm probably going to be using some combination of those three guys in both of my one and dones this week. Now, speaking of one-and-dones, last week I actually had like a super big sweat. In, in my two one-and-dones, I had Patrick Rogers and Wyndham Clark, both of whom made the cut on the numbers. So a little bit of a lucky week for me last week. I was debating on burning Finau, and 
I don't know. I, I feel like it, you could go either way with how you feel about that one because if you were to pick Finau this week and he came in fourth, he would earn you the same amount of money that he won last week if he won the golf tournament. So um, re, it just really goes to show that in these one and dones, you really have to nail the majors and the elevated events if you're playing with prize money, which I know most one and dones are. All right, so that does it for the preview this week. I believe I stand under my 30-minute total. But anyway, that is everything you need to know about the Wells Fargo Championship this week at Quail Hollow Club. So whether you're playing DFS, betting, or one and done, hopefully I was able to give you all the information you need to make all the right decisions and pick all the winners this week. Best of luck to you guys in whatever endeavors you're going for this week whether it be dfs bets or one and done please if you like what you heard on the podcast please subscribe you'll be notified when new episodes drop like our next week episode preview for the byron nelson classic and also please rate and review it really does help me out a lot if you do that all right that does it for the episode guys thank you guys for listening and i will see y'all next time